Psalms 150, 1 through 6. This is our text this morning. You are going to recite it with me. So you're ready to read together? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we come before you this morning and we want to look at this idea of praise, this idea of, of worship. We sang songs to you about you this morning. And we want to take time to evaluate our lives to see how we need to better proclaim the world in which we live. In holy and precious name, you may be seated. Now you understand the mic's going in and out. It's a Satan thing, all right? He doesn't want the, the message to be heard. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll just walk through it here. So in the past several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of having a greater church. Pastor Frank last week talked about a, having a great responsibility in sharing our faith to our community, to the people around us. Well, today we want to talk about this idea of a greater worship. I would like for us today to look at this idea of praise and worship and I want us to evaluate our lives. Draw a circle around yourself, and I want you to think about this area of praise and worship and how it applies to you. In fact, all the messages in this particular series of Invite Your One are evaluations. We're hearing the word, so Lord, how can I make Faith Bible Church a greater church? Remember, it's about we're all parts of the body of Christ individually. We have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Actually, when we look at it from that perspective, that's the first thing, the first area in which we need to handle in our life. And we're going to ask this question, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you praise the God you say you love? Do you worship the God you say you love? So this morning, we're going to take a look and see how we in our lives can have a greater worship. And, and we're going to kind of walk through this idea that, yes, we're here worshiping corporately, and that's important, but our worship every day, do the people that we are inviting the church or the people that we are sharing the gospel with, do, we, do they see that worship to this God? Well, the word praise is a, or worship is a universal language, isn't it? For many of us, maybe we had opportunities to experience worship in another country. I had an opportunity for uh, several years, and many of us did, to go to the Philippines. Now, they do sing in English, but Tagalog is their language, and we've heard the song sung, and I had no idea what they were saying. But there are certain phrases that would pop out, say, ah, I know that word. The one word is hallelujah, or praise the Lord. Reminds me of a story of a, of, a, of a preacher 150 years ago who was seeking out a horse for transportation. It had to be that old to be that long ago to, for a preacher to get a horse for transportation. I don't think any of us rely on horses for transportation anymore. And so he went to this farmer to ask to buy this horse. He says, well, there's one thing, preacher, you need to understand. I taught this horse God language. He goes, well, what, what did you mean? He goes, so when you want that horse to go, it's not giddy up, it's praise the Lord. 
When you want this horse to stop, it's amen, not whore, whoa. Preacher's like, I'm a pastor. I can handle this. No problem. I'm a preacher. That's the language I speak. So he gets on his horse and prays the Lord. The horse starts trotting away. Nice, great. They're, they're on their trip. All of a sudden, a, a rabbit jumps out in front of the horse. The horse takes off and darts in his full trot, headed towards this ravine of a 100-foot drop. And the preacher is nervous, sweating bullets. Is there, stop, whoa, whoa, stop. Well, you remember what the farmer says. You got to say amen for the horse to stop. And as the horse is coming to the edge of the ravine, the preacher says, amen. The horse stops right on the dime. He takes a deep breath and says, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, I don't think that's probably the only time you wouldn't want to say the word praise the Lord. Now, when I grew up, praise the Lord was something that was used. I grew up in a fundamental Baptist church, and so as while pre pastors are preaching, you'd hear God, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so you'd be looking, who's saying praise the Lord? You know, so it was a phrase that sometimes is cliched, praise the Lord, but actually understand that it's an action. It's a call to action for us, as we see in Psalms 150. We as Christians are called to praise the Lord. It's just not something we say because it's Christian lingo. If you look at Psalms 150, it begins with praise the Lord, and it ends with praise the Lord. If you go back in your Bibles, look at Psalms 146, 147, 148, and 149. All begin with praise the Lord, and they end with praise the Lord. In fact, praise the Lord in Psalms 150 is found 13 times in every lyric of that song. Do you think David wanted his readers to know the importance of praising the Lord so that we can live fully for him and praising his name? The word praise is found 307 times in the Bible so it comes from two Hebrew words, which is a word we just mentioned, hallelujah. Say it with hallelujah. Say it with me. Hallelujah. Okay, I guess I'll buy that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah means this. You'll see it on the screen. To brag or boast, to say something good, to express your approval, to honor or admire. And the word yah is just a short, short word for Yahweh. So when we say hallelujah, in reality we're saying God, I brag on you. God, I approve you. God, I express your approval. I, I, I honor, I adore you. That's what hallelujah means. We praise what we enjoy, don't we? Think about our life. We praise the things we enjoy. I have by children through, their, through our life. I've praised those kids and things that they did well. We, we should do that. You sit around and talk to any, any individual, like sports. They're going to praise, they're going to brag on an athlete for throwing a circular ball through a metal rim, right? They're going to brag on a movie, so they're going to praise an individual. Very interesting. We are quick to, quick to praise things that we enjoy or we like. So here's a statement I want you to kind of sit on for a moment. If we don't praise God, then I guess we don't enjoy him. If we don't praise God, then I guess we don't enjoy him. Do we enjoy God and his blessings and his provisions? When was the last time that you sat and you just praised God? Not, not in a corporate setting. We're going to talk about that. But individually, when was the last time 
that you truly in your heart praise God even through struggle and trial in your life. This morning, I would like for us to build a frame. Now, I know that what Dave and Max are saying, Pastor Jason, building anything is dangerous, but I need your help. And the word praise is going to be our painting And we're going to look at the foundation, the the framework around this idea of praise. So the first question we need to ask ourselves, who do we praise? Duh, Jason. God. That is the right Sunday school answer. Look at Psalms 150, the first three letters, first three words. Praise the Lord. That's what David's telling us to do. God wants our praise without any rival or competition. We can see that in the the Ten Commandments, the very first command, Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. Look at verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Circle that word jealous. Jealous means this in the Hebrew. It's a desire for exclusivity. God wants our exclusive worship only. Think about it from a relationship perspective. We have a relationship with God. He is jealous. He wants our worship exclusively. Husbands and wives, think of that illustration for a moment. You don't want someone trying to take your wife or your husband or to go after your wife and husband. Why? You would get jealous, and you should. God here is saying here in this text, you're mine. And I demand your worship. I want your worship. I am a jealous God. I like the illustration, Revelation chapter 22. As we come towards the end of Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 22, 8 and 9, John heard and saw these things. And when he heard and saw them, he fell down to worship. Look at verse 9. He went down to worship the angel. But the angel said to him, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. What's he telling them to do? Worship God. Don't worship me. Worship God. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory. I give, no, I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Do we get this idea? Yes, we answer the right question. God is who we worship. The Lord is who we worship. But do we do it exclusively? Are there other things that fight for God's attention? Let me ask you this question. How God-centered is our life? How God-centered is our lives? And I think there's three areas that we can look at. And again, this is, this is self-evaluation. We're Christians. Yeah, go to church. But how God-centered is our life? Our thoughts is the first. What do you think about the most? What drives you? What consumes your thoughts? At the end of the day, when the dust settles, did you think about God at all? Was he on your mind? Did you have time meeting with him? But you're a Christian, so it's all good. Our thoughts. I I think of the illustration of a compass. And sometimes you're moving around, that compass needle is going to and fro and back and forth. But when you set that compass down on that map and you want to find out where you want to go, guess what? That needle always reads true north. How about your life? When it's all said, when when the dust settles at the end of your day, did you praise God? Did you worship him? Second, motives. Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Why do you text what you text? Why do you post what you post? 
for attention, for being liked? Let me ask you this. Do we do those things for God's approval? That should be the first thing. If you really truly praise and worship God, you want his approval above all else, right? I love what Proverbs 21.2 says. It says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs. That word weighs there means to check or examines the heart. God checks and examines our hearts. I could have you fooled. You could have me fooled. But there's one person we can't fool, and that is God. He checks and examines our hearts. Why do you do what you do? Does God have anything to do with it? Lastly, our actions. How are you currently serving the Lord? See, two weeks ago we talked about our gifts and abilities how are we using them? Or maybe here's a better question. Yeah, I, I, I love serving God, but I got these other things going on in my life that I really like. Well, Jesus tells us in the Gospels, you can't serve two masters. In fact, we remember the story of Joshua and Joshua 24 being 110 years of age, standing before three million Israelites as he was coming towards the end of his life. And what did he give? He gave them an option. He says, listen, you can serve the gods of the Egyptians and the Amorites, you can do that, or you can choose to serve God. And what it was the famous quote that we have hanging in our houses, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have a choice to make. What will you do as true worshipers of God? Christians that praise, say you praise God. So the who, we got that down. You guys got a, an A for answering that question right. We got the first part of the frame up. Now the second part. Where do we worship? Duh, in church. Well, yeah, you're partly right. Let's look at verse 1 again. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Those two words here, sanctuary, mighty heavens. Sanctuary, this is what it means. They're in the Hebrew, a building dedicated to the service of God. Normally, we present, where we present our rituals and moral purity, this is, where, this is the, the sanctuary. Not our sanctuary, but when King David wrote this, the Lord dwelt in the temple. They would come bring their sacrifices. They would participate in feasts. And when Acts 2 rolled around, the church was birthed. The Holy Spirit was given universally and permanently. And now, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, as we talk back with the spiritual gifts, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We can worship God together corporately in the sanctuary. This building, we love it. It's beautiful. There's nothing holy about this building, is it? Please say no. Yeah, good. There's nothing holy about this building. If this church was destroyed this week, guess what? Faith Bible Church would still exist. Why? Because we are Faith Bible Church. We worship together corporately, and that's what we did this morning. And I want us to think as we, we come through the doors of our church each and every week, we got to get out of this ritualistic mindset. Okay, I've been doing this for years, and I have been doing it for years. Okay, sing a couple songs. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. By the end of our message today, I want us to understand the person that we worship. And it should change how we act and how we worship. I think of our good friend Jay Meunier, and Jay Jay's probably watching. Good morning, Jay. Good to see you. Um, Jay had a, got hacked this week in email. Many of you got that email. Poor Jay, you know. So I went to, go, went to go visit him on Wednesday, making sure he was okay. And the first thing he said to me when I walked in his door, he goes, hey, did you bring me my $300 gift cards? 
because that was the hack that he got, that we were supposed to go buy $300 gift cards. So I walk in, the gym, where's my gift cards? I'm like, Jay, did you really send that email? <laughs> you know, I was a little worried, but it was, again, we know Jay's sense of humor. But Jay, who just sits right, sits right over there, and he's unable to come to church due to his health. And there's one particular song that he loves to sing, and it's the song by Sovereign Grace called All I Have is Christ. Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. And every time he sings that song, he sits right over here. He stands to his feet. It's hard for him to do. He holds him to the back of the chair, and tears are just pouring down his face. He doesn't care what any of you think about him at that moment because of he knows all he has is Christ. See, that's the type of heart, our mindset, we come to worship and we are singing about this great God and we're talking about this great God and we're bragging on this great God. We're changed. We're changed. So sanctuary, corporately coming together. Yes, where? We can do that here. We're doing that this morning. But also in the mighty heavens. Anything from earth, I know there's three heavens, not going to talk about that this morning, from here to God. Boom. Creation praises him. We can praise him wherever we are. And hopefully we do that. Do you know, it's very interesting that in heaven, praise is constantly happening. And think of the world and the time changes. Do you know, and I, as I studied this, this week, I sat there, I was like, that's amazing that as time changes around the globe each and every day, that there's always someone praising God here on earth. So you think about that. Heaven constantly and on earth as we move, the globe moves, there is someone giving praise. There's creation that is praising God. Isn't that amazing? Our God is a great God. So we can worship him where? In the sanctuary. We can worship him anywhere. And I hope that we practice that. The third part of our frame, now this is where I need some help with lining it up, Dave. So Dave, you help me line this frame up because you know I'm not a builder. The why. Why do we worship him? Well, what he has done and who he is. So let's talk about this idea of what he has done. Look at verse 2. Praise him for his mighty deeds, underlined mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness, underlined excellent greatness. This is, these are the reasons why we praise him. This is David's telling. This is why we praise God. For, so first, let's look at creation. This should lead all of us to stand in awe of what he has done in creation. I, I've seen us in, here in, in, in social media post a, a, a sunrise or a sunset or a rainbow. It's truly amazing. God painted those things for us to enjoy. Here's something to try next time you see that. You're around a group of people. Hey, my God made that. Hey, my God, he created that. What are you doing? You're praising with your lips this God who made you and created you. This is the response God wants for us. But many times, here's where we are in our culture. We're here, right? We're not looking upward. We're not looking outward. This is great. All this is, I love my entertainment. I love this. And look what God has made and created for us. And we just are so busy with life. Take time to enjoy God's creation. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 19, 1 through 4. He says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Do we take notice to that each and every day and praise God? Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor there are words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Looking upward and outward to see what God has done through his creation. This should always bring praise to our lips. This week, take some time to enjoy what God has made for us. 
So as we think of our, 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 our bodies, look at the inward part, God's, our creation, what God made us to be as humans. Isn't the human body amazing? Okay, and young people understand when you're getting taught this garbage of evolution and Big Bang and everything's a coincidence, it's not. There is a creator who made these things. Intricately woven, Psalms 139 Verses 14 through 16, the verse we need to underline. This tells us, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secretly. Secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And we've talked about this before, but each one of us was intricately woven in the depths of the earth. God made us exactly who he wanted us to be. As I talk with young people, and I had an opportunity to share at Cumberland Christian this idea of their of sexuality, understanding that you are who God made you to be. You know, it's like taking a creation, taking, a, you know, young people, my son's like Legos, and you put a, a creation, you make something, they come, Dad, look at this, that's awesome. This is a plane, even though it doesn't look like a plane, but it's a plane. That's their creation. I'm not going to mess with that and play with that. Why? Because it's his creation. God intricately woven each and every one of us to be who we are. And this verse describes that for us. And when we come to this part of creation, when we look at the body, I like always looking at a fun fact for us. Just to kind of sit back and say, wow, God, you are truly amazing. Do you know the human body has 30 trillion cells? I can't even fathom 30 trillion but one DNA molecule is considered the blueprint that tells the body how to act from birth to death. Now, if you were to take just one cell and put it into text, it would fill 4,000 volumes that would fill the front of this church. If it, you took 30 trillion cells and put it into text, it would create volumes that would fill the Grand Canyon. Yes, that's my bit emoji. Okay. Mind blown. Seriously, I, I can't begin to even comprehend that. But guess what? That God loves us. That God has, God has his spirit living within us. We are going to be in, in heaven with him forever and ever. Amazing. Our God is truly, truly a great God. Our God is worthy of praise for what he has done, not only in creation, our minds are blown. Number two, redemption. Number two, redemption. This unfathomable thought that God of creation the intricacies of creation that we, he's made for us to enjoy. Now, to reconcile us, our, us sinful men back to himself, he sends his only son, Jesus, to die for our sin. To bring us from being enemies to God to now friends. God. Forgiven our sins that are remembered no more, he provided for us, he purchased us, he redeemed us, he justified us. And as we said earlier, he gave us his Holy Spirit, that paraclete, that's our comforter, that is with us to guide us. We put our faith and trust in Jesus. I, I love what Paul told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. He says, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. What's the inexpressible gift? It's salvation. You ever gotten a gift from someone? You're like, man, I, why, why'd you give this to me? This is, man, I, I'm unworthy. That's salvation. God, I am not deserving this. I deserve death. I deserve hell. But God gave us this because he loved us. So when we think about our salvation, why wouldn't we praise him? 
Why wouldn't we want to engage every aspect of our life to this God? Why wouldn't we want to take time to enjoy him as we praise him, as we worship him, as we sing hallelujah to him? However, I know there's times in our lives that we're going through things that aren't in our plan. We focus on the bad. There seems to be nothing good happening in our life. And we say, what's the, what's, what's, what's the worth of praising? For this very reason we just mentioned. For who God is and what he has done for us. For who he is and what he has done for us. Just think of the attributes of God. He is sovereign. He, sovereign. he is loving. He is caring. He is omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful, omnipresent, loving, caring, truthful. All those attributes, that's our God. And he's never one without the other. He's all these all the time. We praise our God, no matter what we're going through, we praise our God for this, listen, because he is worth it. We praise him because he is worth it. There's a, there's a berry that's found in the continent of Africa called a taste berry. Never tried one. But what they say is this taste berry you eat, and for an hour after you eat it, everything that you eat or taste is sweet and it tastes good. Maybe that's something we need to bring for a church potluck. You know, we eat that, and everything we eat after that tastes good. So you can say, when you, was my meal good? It was delicious. It was sweet. See, praise in our life can be like that taste berry. You see, the times when things aren't going well, when we focus our attention on God and his greatness and his goodness, that's the sweetness that carries us through, even the time of struggle and trial. We look at our trial, we look at our struggle differently because we realize who's in charge and who has our life and who will be there and will never leave us or forsake us. So who? God we worship. Yes, there we go. Two, where? Sanctuary, heavens everywhere. Third, why? Because of what he has done and who he is. And last piece. Line it up for me, Dave. I'm not good at lining things. Okay, here it is. The last final piece to the frame. All right? How do we praise him? How do we? Now this is, I love this, this particular point because being a worship guy for 25 years, I'm like, yeah, it's perfect. Put on a guitar and just sing. But that's how we do it. It's a little more deeper than that. How do we praise? Look at verse, uh, verse 3 through 6. We're going to go through these instruments. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the string and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Now, I want you to circle the word sounding. Um, I don't want to offend anyone. But this music was loud. Praise him with loud clashing cymbal. Okay, let's circle loud clashing again. This worship that back in the Old Testament was loud. I mean, a loud clanging cymbal, what do you get from that? That's like, oh, but God calls it for it to worship. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This text gives eight instruments. We're not going to focus on those instruments because the, the focus is not the instruments. It's the heart. In fact, if you would turn to Daniel 4, you will see these same type of instruments being called to be praised to the 90-foot golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. It has nothing to do with the instrument. It is what? It's the heart of the worshiper and the object of the worship. So music is a key source. 
We sing songs. We come together and sing and lift our voices to God. We read in the Old Testament, David's choirs. David was, he was a musician. He had worship teams. He probably had a slamming band back in the day, no doubt. In fact, there's some Old, Old Testament kings also that would put their worship team or their, their band up front as the, 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 the military is marching through, the armies are marching through to give praise and honor to God as they're going into battle. Now, either that or they had a really bad worship team and they wanted to get rid of them real quick and so they put them out front to get killed first and then they would just re... Uh, anyway, you guys didn't get that. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Yes. Worship was key even in war because it was focusing on who was going to get them through the battle. Our focus is our heart. Jesus told the religious leaders, Matthew 15, He's sitting there telling his followers, and every time he's talking to his followers, he always had a little, little stab at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He tells his followers, these people, they honor me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. I hope that's never said about us when it comes to worship. That we say the right things, but our heart is not there. I like what Martin Luther said about music. I have no pleasure in any man who despises music. He was a cantankerous reformer. He was like, I, don't, I despise anyone who doesn't like music. It was no invention of ours. It is a gift of God. He truly was. I place it next to theology. Satan hates music. He knows how it drives the evil spirit out of us. Remember the story of King David, David playing for Saul. It soothes Saul's evil spirit, wicked, wicked attitude. Music is a great way to praise our Savior Music is a great way to teach doctrinal and biblical truth, particularly to our children. Remember old songs, older songs, right? If I would ask someone, hey, what, what's, what was your favorite song back in the day? You would, you would say, oh, I remember this. Do you not have some songs from back in the 80s that were cool? You know, you know, if I start singing one, you know, you're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. I mean, it takes me back to the 80s with the mullets and the big hair, Right? Think about church songs, songs that take us back to when we got saved, songs that we remember, you know, singing those songs. You know, I come to the garden. Many of us remember that old hymn of the faith. We remember the old tent revivals. And they're good. It's good that we remember those things. But you know, songs are just not just, it's just not music for us to fill space with. There's a purpose. It may take you many road trips with our kids with like one Bible kids CD in it, it could be great and it could be annoying at the same time. Let's do that song again, again, yeah. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the stars are his handiwork too. Please get that tune out of my mind. But it teaches great doctrinal truth of who God is. How about the Veggie Tales? My, kid, my older kids grew up with VeggieTales. Like, you know, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters are to be. A crazy song, right? But can you teach some truth of what they're singing? Yeah, that God is bigger than your fear. See, music can be a way to teach biblical truth to us and to our children. I remember learning a song in second grade in a Christian school. The Bible stands. And I could sing that for you now, and I, I haven't sang it in 40 years. 
But that song teaches us as young people, or taught us as young people, that we can trust God's word. We can stand on God's word. God's word will never be destroyed. And so truth in song is very important. Think about today. What songs did we sing today in worship? Well, second part of the song, I Got Saved. After communion and after Eric brought us into the song, I Got Saved. Since then, I walked in forgiveness. All of my guilt was erased. The chains of the past are broken at last. I got saved. I got saved. What are we singing about? Okay. It's just not songs to fill time. We are singing truth about this God, of who he is and what he has done for us. And this is what we got to remember when we come in, we corporately gather together, that we're not singing to make our voices heard, to see who can hear us. We're here to praise him. And these songs that we sing speak doctrinal, biblical truth that reflect that. Psalms 150 says, all his mighty deeds is why we praise him. See, our praise, these songs that we sing, are a way that we can praise God. Whether they're children's songs, whether they're adult songs. You know, funny thing about Martin Luther, Martin Luther wrote that famous hymn, I think Tim, it's your favorite, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He taught that song to the children's church, and then he brought them in to teach sound doctrine about who God is to the congregation. Songs can be used to praise God for how great he is. You know, we think about praise, we think about these questions that we asked this morning, but you know there's one thing will happen someday. Every person will praise God. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is God. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Paul tells us in verses 9 and 10, he says, Therefore God has highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Who do we praise? We praise God. Where do we praise him? Sanctuary, anywhere. Why? Because of what he has done and who he is. How? With our music, with our breath, with our mouth. Praise changes our perspective. Praise can transform us. Praise can change us. And the focus is in us. We're changed because of reflecting on how good and great God is. So this week, I want you to think about how you can praise God at your job, in your home, with your kids, with your grandkids, out in the yard. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How will we praise God this week? As we lead up to this, to next week, inviting our one. We're excited about next week. Do those individuals that we're inviting, do they see that praise being lived out in you? Do they see that praise being lived out in you? I hope so. So take some time this week and proclaim who God is and what he's done for you. Can we do that? Can we do that? Let's be grateful worshipers who love getting together and praising the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this time we had together. Lord, help us as we go on through this week and as we look to praise and we look to worship you. Lord, allow us to remember these truths that we praise you for who you are and what you've done for us. We can praise you anywhere. We can lift our voice. We can, with our breath, praise you. With our actions, with our motives, we can praise you. 
Allow us to do that this week. We ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Let's all stand up. We talked about Psalm 150, so it's only fitting that we sing the first verse and chorus of Psalm 150. You made the sorry host, you traced the mountain peaks, you paint the evening sky with wonders. The earth it is your throne, from desert to the sea, all nature testifies your splendor. Have a great afternoon.